Hello, Internet. You're listening to Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. He's Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I am good. It's been a busy couple of weeks in the Mike household. Uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah. You're, you're always missing podcasts because you're out at weddings, and I suspect you're going to be missing one uh, in a few months. Yeah, I'm setting up for my own. So I got engaged, which slowed down our podcasting recording, but hopefully everybody agrees that's a good enough reason. Mm. Uh, fair enough. She said yes, though. So that means now I can come back and keep doing a podcast. No, that means that she can now veto your podcasts. That's more likely. Yeah. So, uh, but congratulations. That is very exciting news. You're, um, you're right in there with, I guess, all your other friends who get married every weekend. That's um, right. Repeat a lot of repeat business. So we'll see how that goes in 2016. So uh, have you have you sorted through all the early engagement stuff? You've uh, people are people ask you right away when you're getting married. That's because no one knows what to say. I just got engaged. Hey, when's the wedding? Uh, I don't I, know. I realize like the parts that I thought people really cared about hearing about were not the parts they cared about hearing about, and the parts that I yada 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 through were the things that people actually wanted to know. What do you mean? Uh, so. I yada, yada, yada through the part of like, and then I got down on a knee and I said some words and then she cried and she said, yes. And, I, and, I, and then I was like, but then we had a party. Let's talk about the party. And everyone's like, nope, nope. Go back, go back. Got to talk about the moment where she realized about. we're proposing. So how do you do it? How do you propose? Uh, so it was a long day of surprises for Chelsea, my now fiance. Okay. So um, she knew it was coming. No, no, she had no idea. You do a long uh, day of surprises that you can't figure out it's going to end with a, with a ring. No, so it started with the proposal. That's the thing. Oh, and then there were many surprises oh, after. Oh, oh, so basically, yeah. So I told her that we were going out for like a nice brunch because we had a really busy weekend of uh, a bunch of fake events that we had put on the calendar, and that our friends had helped me conspire to make her think that we were going to all these parties and dinners and things. None of them were real. Um, but we went for a walk here in Brooklyn, so in Brooklyn Heights, on the promenade for local Brooklynites. Uh, she thought we were very late for a brunch. So she was like power walking and pulling me away. Um, but I eventually just had to let her know we're not late because brunch is not a real thing. So let's stay right here. And then, then proposed, uh, took some photos, which was great. She loved it. Uh, and then we had some downtime. She was calling her friends and family thinking that they were not actually right here. And then we had a big surprise party for her that night. Uh, people were flying in mostly from Michigan, which is where she's from. Um, we had a big surprise party at uh, the Brooklyn Bridge Carousel. So again, for Brooklynites, check it out. It's called Jane's Carousel. You can Google it. It was really nice. Uh, all of her family were here. So we had a big party. She had a blast. I loved it. Uh, it was a great day. Top-notch day, all in all. How many breads did you get? Uh, as far as I remember, I was in famine land. I don't think I ate anything until like midnight. Yeah, that's... That's, it sounds like you're, you're living it up in old famine land over there yeah. in Brooklyn with your private carousels. <laughs> That's right. The carousel was abundance. The <laughs> me not eating was famine land. <laughs> you should have whatever the, the horses were having. Uh, is that enough of a segue to have us start talking about abundance and famine here in episode if, three? If we don't, I'm going to start talking about my proposal, and no one wants to hear that 40-minute story. <laughs> See, we're both going to get better at telling our proposal stories. No, you're just gonna you're gonna get where I am, where it's like uh, I'm more embarrassed about it than I am proud, so I won't yeah. I won't tell the story on our side podcast proposal cast with Scott and Mike. <laughs> yeah, we can just put that right on this right on the stream, and uh, we'll see if any <laughs> that'll tell us if people are actually paying attention to our podcast. If our <laughs> if our listeners go down for that, a proposal cast brought to you by Squarespace, <laughs> like every other podcast. 
Yeah, we should get funding from Squarespace now that I'm a, now that I'm a client. Anyway, uh, so uh, the genius um, is a TV show that we are going to talk about today. It's been a while, uh, as you said, your fault, which isn't really yep. true, but I'll I'll go with it. And uh, if you've not watched The Genius, we are going to be spoiling things that have happened up through episode three of season one of The Genius. So if you are not through three episodes, go back and watch them and then rejoin us here. We will not be talking about anything after episode three of season one. So you, uh, you're safe on that count. All right. Enough of a warning. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, so, think, you know, season one is subtitled The Rules of the Game. Episode three is really, I think, the last episode where people are still figuring out the rules of the game. And yeah, they boy, got it those rules, yep, boy, those rules hit some people hard in this episode. Well, you, I mean, the, the great irony is, is Teacher Cha trying to figure out a way for an 11-person joint win. Yeah, and, and a joint win in theory, you know, great idea. If you can get that many people immune, fantastic. But this is not the game for it. No, this is not. Well, he wanted to get 11 people immune. Yeah, good luck. To just have every single person immune, eliminate the dealers, everyone keeps the garnets. No, but that's what he was talking about earlier in the episode. There's still there's still the sentiment that like, well, we should all work together and we should like, you know, win together. But someone's going home. Someone gets eliminated. So you figure out who that's gonna be, however you want, but you know, as nice as you want to play, the person who would go to the death match under this everybody win scenario is not gonna be motivated to stick with it. Yeah, and I don't know if he was thinking that there would be honor among thieves and that you know, people who defected would only choose amongst themselves for the death match. But uh, he should have seen this one coming. I'd say for Jimmy Chai, you would think that, you know, if there's a group of people who are aligned pretty tightly against you, uh, if you're not immune, they're going to come for you. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> well, he won't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Fair enough. Yes. Well, he's he's dead now. Is uh, I don't know if they made that clear on the show, but you could tell by the way Qumran was was wailing and gnashing your teeth about it. Um, that, uh, he was, he was executed by the production. That's right. Just like the mole, he failed the quiz. He is dead. He's executed. Yep. Is he the, um, is he the manual of, uh, Oh, that's it. That's a mole deep cut. I'm, I do not remember who that was. That was the first guy out. So not really. Junsak is manual Manuel, Manuel, who just wanted to go out for a night in Paris. He wasn't the mole. He just wanted to see Paris. <laughs> or he was executed and his body sent back to the United States. Do you do you think the mole was the closest uh genius analog of existing reality shows? Yeah, uh, so I, I feel a little bit I haven't listened to to the podcast with Mike Bloom and, and Rob Sesternino that they just did a fifteen year retrospective. Uh I did not listen yet to that. Um but the yeah, the watching the episode today, uh rewatching uh, episode three, it did feel it felt a little moly. It felt a little bit I miss the mole. I, I wish the mole would come back, but the, we're we're just not a, not smart enough as a country to handle a show that has um, uh, Anderson Cooper and yeah, D- does not bode well for the genius becoming an American show. By the way, but no, the, mole, well, the, the I, best I do think the mole yeah. can get into the shot though. I, I don't think it's impossible the mole can get into the shot. It's still around internationally, and you know some of these formats get tried again. I mean, the mole did come back for that one bonus season. Yeah, the writer strike aided mole season. Yes, and yeah, so it's still on in the it's Netherlands. A good season too, I enjoyed it. Same here. Uh, Australia just did a season, I think, two or three years ago, which was also pretty good. Um, we just have to get Anderson Cooper to fall from grace for some reason, and then come back to hosting a game show, and then things will go well. Oh, he will come back to hosting a game show, but it's going to be Jeopardy. Is that is that your theory here? Um, place I a think long so. bet. 
I, I think it's going to, I mean, if Brian Williams like regains some, some status, I guess it's possible. But in the Sony leak, didn't it come out that they had been emailing Anderson Cooper like, uh, hey, like, let's get coffee because we're going to replace Alex Trebek with you someday? No, I didn't know that. He would be good, though. Absolutely. Be great. That'd be a great job for him. Yeah, I'm a big Anderson Cooper fan. So yes. I all jobs that he wants to get, fine by me. Yes. Um, um, tie it back to the genius. There we go. I have no good lead in other than to say, let's talk about the rules for the abundance and famine game. Let's do it. Yeah. So you can uh, you yeah. can go to you, you get five tickets per person. You can go to in each of five rounds. You can go to Abundance Land or Famine Land, uh, or you could use multiple tickets and go to both, or spend multiple tickets on any one place, or you can go to neither. Um, there's six breads in Abundance Land and three in Famine Land. Breads are distributed evenly amongst all people in any land, but there are no uh, the rounded down. Yep, Bread and so there, down. there were five five rounds to play. And every player individually gets five tickets and you have a choice. You can you know, spend those tickets as you wish. You can you know, use those tickets one per round. You can use them you know, all in one shot or spread them out as makes sense for you. And as we learned very quickly, your tickets are shareable and tradable. You can give them to whomever you like and you know, use them as a team. Well, we also find out later you can buy tickets. So you can buy an extra ticket for one garnet, one ticket per garnet. Uh, and you can use as many as you want, you know, including zero, in each and every round. As we also learned early, this game is bad. Pretty boring. It was a slow game. Well, and uh, we only had one round where anything actually happened. Um, because, you know, with, with 11 people and only nine possible destinations per round, uh, what we wound up with was four rounds where nobody got anywhere and no bread was was distributed. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with how the game got played. Uh, I, I was you know, reading a little bit before we started recording, and there's a post on the subreddit by Sassy Stubble, which is a great subreddit name. Uh, and he or she points out, you know, there were a few different ways this game could have gone. It, it could have been an information war type game more broadly, where you could have had, you know, everyone out there one at a time trying to talk to everyone, figure out where they're going to go use that information to choose what's best for them, right? So that, that's one version of this game. The information war, which is another style we will see very often. Um, they could have done what Poon put out there, which is collude for as long as possible so that everybody gets as much bread as possible over the five rounds of the game and leave it to the point where in the last round, uh, it, it all comes down to that last round. And we heard a lot of hemming and hawing about whether or not they would do that and whether or not that made any sense, but ultimately... No, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, Ultimately, that was one strategy if you wanted to maximize Garnets. Uh, and then there was the third version, which is really what we end up with, which is majority versus the minority. Minority plays spoiler uh, and just tries round after round to make it hard for the majority to do anything. Yeah, so um, and, and the reason that Gura's side becomes the minority, uh, as we see very early in this episode, the women are on to Gura being the boss. And right when as the game is announced, we see Gura and Sangman go off immediately and start to strategize together right in front of everybody. Yeah. And their, their covers for when they're strategizing are pretty terrible for the most part. Like Sam comes over and goes like, no, 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 no. We're talking about a different show. We're strategizing about a different show that we're on. Don't worry about it. We happen to be doing that on the set in the middle of the game on this show, but that's unrelated. There's a bumper sticker on Sangman's van that says my other show is collaborative. <laughs> It's something that you learn if you watch some of the extra genius footage from around this time. You can find out that uh, Sangman lives in a van, very Matt Foley, motivational speaker-esque. I don't know if it is down by the river or not, 
But Sangman is just interesting enough that he lives in a very shady white van, which the is Han River. pretty much perfect. Han River? Is that what it was? I don't, I don't remember. No, that could be a real... the, the, there's a river going through Seoul called the Han. Ah, see, you're, you're more prepared for Jeopardy than I am right now. Oh, well, I looked it up on Wikipedia. So when <laughs> Jeopardy allows Wikipedia, uh, I will be set. Yeah, Actually, once Jeopardy, uh, Jeopardy tryouts are coming next week. So get on that. You should, you should sign up at Jeopardy.com. Hey, that's the website makes sense. I will check it out. Yep, just under the big picture of Anderson Cooper, you click. Uh, that's right. The, so that's Silver Fox. Silver click on the tryout. Fox. Um, yeah. Uh, so you should sign up for that and yep. give it a shot. <sighs> All right. Uh, what were we talking about? The genius. Yes, that's right. I was pretty sure. I was like ninety percent sure that was what we were doing. <laughs> um. One one of the things that's interesting for me here is that, you know, we get more of Jimmy Shaw calling things simple throughout the course of designing their strategies here. Yeah, but that was um, the English word of the day right at the beginning of the episode. Did you catch it? I don't remember what it was. Well, what did you get? What was it? Cutie. C-U-T-I-E. Ah, that that is a quality English word of this episode. Yes. Uh, I feel like that's that's our gimmick now. He's going to keep track of things that get said in English on each episode. Yeah. Cutie's a good one. Many more to come, which I love. Um, Spoiler alert. Yep. One of the, so one of the things interesting here, though, for Jimmy Cha, he he really thinks he's untouchable. Like, he sees himself as the head of the alliance. He knows that none of his minions are going to choose him for a death match, but he really underestimates the extent to which other people are going to want to choose him for a death match. And I I don't know if that comes down to the fact that Sung Yu is just bold or stupid or confident, but it's, it's he has all no problem. Well, because we see we see Sangman telling Gura and Sung Yu, boy, we should really pick Teacher Cha for the death match. But Sangman knows that he's safe because he's already got one bread. So it's easy for him to say. Yeah. Good good on Sangman, by the way. He somehow sneaks out of this with one bread. He's quite uh, good. I mean, I think it's luck. I think whichever of his team would have been in the abundance land when Kumran got her four breads was was gonna be was gonna have that uh, that one bread, but I think Sangman's safe no matter who has the one bread. Um, but I, I just I think he's probably the least likely to get picked, partly because as we find out, he told Kumran with a minute left in the previous episode about Gura's plan to make Changyap the the president, which was too late to do Kumran any good, but it does Sangman some good because he buys some goodwill with Kumran. Yeah, it's it's well done. He's you know showing up as not purely an underling at this point. We're seeing some good gameplay. Okay, so Gura's thought is that uh, for the alliance of then four, as he sees it, to to hold in this game, that three of them should go to famine every time and one should be in abundance so that nobody can get more points than that one person who's in abundance. Yep. Which is a losing strategy. Do you know why? Uh, it's to do with the number of tickets. I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah, because – so like as Gura sees it, if if three of us are in famine – Nobody can get famine points unless we're the only ones in famine, and then the three of us in famine each get a point. Meanwhile, so, so no one can outscore the famine people by going to famine. Meanwhile, in abundance, our one guy who's in abundance, anytime any points go, any breads go to anybody in abundance, our guy is going to get some. So that's great. But what he's missing is that uh, in abundance land, someone could use more than one ticket. So let's say Sangman's in abundance land using one ticket. Well, what winds up happening, actually Kumran uses four tickets. She gets four bread. Sangman gets one. And Kumran winds up winning the game as a result of that. Yes, that's right. And there's that moment where Sung Yu has to pretty much explain to Gura 
that, oh, you can use more than one ticket at a time. And, and Gertz goes, oh, okay, we're screwed then. Yeah. That's a problem. Whoops. Yeah. And, and speaking of that alliance, I think you mentioned he thinks he has four. So we, we know that Gura and Sangman are together. That seems pretty clear. Uh, they make a good effort to get Sung Yu locked up. Even though last week okay. he said that, yeah, last week he said he trusts Sangman approximately 1%. This week, you know, maybe he's up to 2% because he's willing to stick with them for this game. Even though he went over to the big alliance and told them that he was fine with the policy of anyone who defects automatically goes to the death match. He says that and then Im- immediately defects. Yeah. Um, Gura also thinks they've got Poong, but Poong is, is started showing his first signs of wavering. He... Seems like he wants to work with Jinho, uh, the girl, or excuse me, the teacher Cha Alliance pretty much is locking him in a room and browbeating him. And eventually, you know, sure enough, he's willing to sign his life away and defect over to team teacher Cha. And, uh, what is, uh, Yunji doing while this is happening? Biding her time, <laughs> biding her time. That Yunji. She's playing a long game. That's right. She's ready to go. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's really not much to say about this bad game, except that it's bad and it's a game of some kind. You know, they design it. Uh, the design of the game is such that without any extra tickets being purchased, there's enough tickets out there that you could wind up with zero breads going out. You could have four in Famine Land and seven in Abundance Land every single round, and then nobody gets any bread, which honestly should have been what happened, I think. But. Um, I, I just, I don't, I, I'm not sure what the producers thought was going to happen in this game other than the players, the, like a large alliance would form and block anybody from getting any breads. Yeah. And it was sort of surprising to me that the rules allowed you to buy extra tickets. I, if anything, I felt like that just made it too easy to dominate with a big alliance. It, it, it kind of ruined, you know, needing to understand the math because at that point, you know, big alliance, they failed at that. They, you know, miscounted and that was no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, if I were to do this game again, which I would not, uh, but if I were, I would start with taking out that rule about ex- buying extra tickets. I'm not really sure what, uh, why the big alliance was super concerned about the small alliance uh, getting a foothold at the end. I guess that they could have gotten, I guess you only need one bread each for Gura and Sunyu for one of the big alliance people to be the elimination candidate. I don't know. I guess that that's it. It's just so hard. I mean, this is rewatching this episode just puts puts you to sleep. <laughs> it's it's more exciting the first time when something exciting could happen and there's some potential, but then yeah, again, what hurts that there's just there's so little scoring. So like, let's just run through really quickly what happens in which round. So round one, you know, Abundance Land scores. You know, there are five breads given out. Four go to King Ran. One goes to Sangman. Famine Land, nothing. And now rounds two through five. Nothing. Nothing happens. And that's all the scoring. That, that's it. So round two, seven in abundance, five in famine, no points. Round three, seven and five, no points. Round four, nine and four, no points. And round five, eight and five, no points. So all the scoring is just in that first round in abundance land where King Ran gets four, Sangman gets one. So our final tally is just those people with any points, everyone else, zero points. It's complete zero points across the board. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, Mama said there'll be days like this. Mm. It's a sad one. It's a sad one. So, uh, we, I mean, anything else, Scott, you want to throw in here before we talk about how we end up approaching our death match? 
I really liked when Chang Yat pretended to buy a ticket. I'm not sure why he had to mime it since no one could see through the door. <laughs> the physical aspect of it is what really sold it. It wasn't even that. Like, yeah, the, the comedy comes in that, like, not just that he's miming it, but that he looks so annoyed that he's miming it. <laughs> he's like, Ugh, all right. Like, he's like doing the Macarena. He's putting out his hands and he's turning them over. Here's my fake ticket. Thanks for my fake change. Fantastic. <laughs> he's method acting. Yeah. He could have just, you know, set a timer, just chat up the dealers or do anything. Yeah. Class it up in that room. You got plenty of time. Yeah. So. All uh, right. I, yeah, I appreciated it though. It's nice of him to mug for the cameras. All right, let's move on to the death match, which yeah. uh, is not the winning streak game. We told no. you. Yeah, we we got a new one, and I don't, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that Tactical Utenori uh, is confusing if you are not from Korea. But I would say in, invest the time to understand it because you will see it again. That is not a big spoiler to tell you. They love some Utenori. Love I, I actually, uh, there's people who hate watching this game, uh, mostly American people who hate watching this game. I think it's fine. It's a leveling match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, are you thinking on level one versus level two or level three? Right. Um, but to get there, and then let's explain the rules just real quick. So King Ran won. King Ran chose Sung Yu as the elimination candidate. Uh, she gave immunity to Chang Yap. And then Sung Yu, of course, chooses Jimmy Cha. So... We end up with Sung Yu versus Cha as the players, and then they each choose partners. Sung Yu chooses Sangman as his partner, of course. We got to maintain the uh, Sunbei Hubei relationship. Got to do it. Um, Min, and of course, Jimmy Cha then chooses Jin Ho. I thought that was an interesting combo that you know Jimmy Cha seems to anoint Jin Ho as the you know, second in command in the alliance or the person he trusts the most. I don't think that's it. Strategic who partner. The alliance? And who else would you want to have uh, at your side for this game? Well, I mean, doesn't that by default say that he thinks that Jin Ho is the second most competent person after himself? Not necessarily. Know? It means he thinks that Jin Ho would be the best at tactical Utenori. But that's that's different. I mean, the genius has so many social components. It doesn't mean he thinks Jin Ho is going to help wrangle people as needed for, for future social challenge or anything like that. It's just, Jin Ho's, you know, when we, when we need help strategically, we can turn to Jin Ho. Yeah, that's fair. It does also seem like Jin Ho is very deferential here. He basically says, I'm just an extra set of hands for you. I will do whatever you want. Whereas Sung Yu does seem to be there. Yeah. Sung Yu does look to Sangmin a lot more for advice over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think for everybody, an, exa- an explanation of how Yutenori works might be a little useful here. So I uh, printed up a summary, which I can read out for folks. I think it'll it'll be important as we go to... Make a loud noise when you're, when you're done, so I'll, so I'll wake up. You got it. Take a nap. So everyone chooses a partner. And then everyone's playing a modified version of traditional Yutenori. So Yutenori is a Korean game. Uh, they're in the sort of typical game, you're just tossing sticks and they have different symbols on them. So it's sort of random what score you end up throwing for yourself. Uh, and I think they throw four sticks in typical Korean Yutenori. So in this game, there are still uh, four sticks. So each side has two. Uh, but in this case, you can mark, you can choose exactly what two you throw out. And your partners are choosing exactly which two they throw out. And those four combined make one uh, one total that represents what number of spaces each piece is going to move or the specific piece is going to move. Um, so all four throw one stick at a time. You end up with four sticks on the board. Um, and then essentially there are different rules about who has to move across the board and when and what the different combinations of those uh, numbers on the sticks entail for how much you move long story short the goal nope, is to too late 
No, it was too much. It was too much. Too late. Long story short, you got to get to the end before your opponents do. And you can use your partner to help you with that. But if your opponent gets to the end, it doesn't count. So your partner's pieces are only there for you to get some help. Like you can uh, catch them to get another turn. There are things like that. Uh, in any case, it's worth looking it up. Uh, Nori will come back. So try to understand at least a little bit of what's actually happening here. It's Papamatic Utenori. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's some there's some trouble esque Utenori sense to this game, but in any case, it, it's well understood for Koreans. For you know the typical audience, you're looking at a game that most people know from when they were kids, but making it more strategic. Because right. what you're doing here is it's a leveling match. Yeah, so you're going to know what you throw out, and you you know what you need. Your opponents can also figure out what kind of score you need. So then they choose. Do they throw out something just to block uh, what you need? Or do they throw out something to block what they think you'll do because they know what you need? Uh, You can just keep on going level up, level up, level up, like Scott said, and whoever picks the right level at the right time will move forward. Yes, except it's it's pretty easy against Cha. And this kind of proves something that that had been brewing in my head about Cha through the first two episodes, which is that... um, He's he just doesn't think very much of his opposition, and he doesn't think it's worth that expending that much mental energy to play the genius. You know, he just wants to sit there and lecture everybody on how to play the game, but he doesn't want to put thought into it. He just wants to be the guy who's lecturing, not necessarily the guy who's right. Yeah, he loves the teaching aspect of the game. I think he really enjoyed being a mentor. Well, like in this game, right? He he. First of all, in at the beginning of the episode, he's like, "Well, you know, I just I want to." Uh, we should all share a win together, all eleven of us. Which is such such pandering and such such garbage. You know, that's not, you can't. You know, you can't do that. But it's it's like it's doesn't it feel a little condescending? It's a little bit like, well, you you aren't thinking properly. We could all do this thing that we can't do, jerks. And then in this in this death match, he just he just stays on level one. He never moves past level one thinking. Boy, I really hope I get this, and I think this will help me get this. So I'm I'm done thinking about it. Whereas the other side is thinking. All right, well, Cha's going to want to get this, so he's going to throw this. So knowing he's going to throw that, which of these which of these three options is our best? Right. He, he either assumes that everybody is just not on his level or does not want to get himself to a normal level to compete at this point. Maybe that's because it had been so friendly up until this point. It's the first time he was actually in a competitive situation in the game, but he just did not want to put the effort in. Yeah. And then Jinho was so deferential. I don't know if Jinho was thinking along you know, those lines like, oh, actually, we need to be doing this or whatever. But he never really seemed to speak up or make much of an effort to steer Jimmy Cha in a different direction. Well, if you're Jinho, and I'm not saying Jinho did this, but just like normatively, if you're Jinho, who would you rather be competing against in the future, Sung Yu or Cha? Yeah, you would think Sung Yu. Sung Yu seems to be a lot more clueless so far. I mean, he's pliable is the problem, and he's 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 currently working against you, but he's just not that good, or smart, or tall. Actually, he is kind of tall, I think, especially compared to Jinho. What was I saying? So the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so what Singyu has going for him, Singyu clearly has a great social game, right? Like he's able to make clear bonds with folks. So maybe Jinho has been swayed by that a little, and he thinks, you know, Singyu deep down, he's on my side. I'm going to be able to sway him. And then I can take over. Jimmy Chow will be gone. People are going to look to me for advice. I can pull in Sung Yu and I can you know, have a strong position here going forward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. And, and that remains to be seen. Cha is gone. Um, any final thoughts on Jimmy Cha, Teacher Cha? 
Shamus too. I mean, he was a fun guy to have around. I'd say for particularly the first episode, uh, th- that's where his footprint looms largest. He recruits a lot of folks. People are really interested in having him there to sort of teach them the game. But very quickly, we outgrow him. So now we're through three episodes. People understand the titular rules of the game. And you don't need the guy just explaining everything that obviously game in, game out. Now he, was never, he was never compelling TV for me. I mean, he just was there. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting is from here on out now, you can assume that everyone's going to be able to figure out level one thinking in these games. And it becomes a matter of who starts figuring out level two, level three, the shortcuts and the tricks that are going to help them get ahead you know, over the course of these games. That, that's where the action is going to be. I also feel like the last episode in this episode um, probably marked the low watermark of, of season one. That it's, it's all better from here. You know, and I don't even think that these episodes are bad, but but relative to other genius, these are not the best episodes. And um, I, I think this is kind of what sparks it and gets gets everything moving, gets the game out of the mud, as we say. Yeah, they're they're learning episodes for everybody. Clearly, they're learning episodes for the producers who are trying to figure out how this game was actually going to work. Learning episodes for the players who had nothing to model this off of, but now they are starting to get it. They know that it's not purely about having the largest alliance because you can always get chosen for the death match. So there's much more to the game than just building a big alliance and figuring out uh, a safe play for someone in the alliance to win. All That's right, so, not going to work. So let's uh, let's figure out who's where in the rankings. Uh, let's do it. Jimmy Cha is uh, number one. Well, so. he's, been, he's been executed. He's he's dead. Yep. Uh, Gur, so we we previously had Gura pretty high, and I think Gura he's showing like great aptitude for the game, but he's kind of isolated. He does not have too many allies. No, with Kung's uh, departure, I think he's he's in trouble socially. Yeah. I, the alternative is if people really just wanted to defer to the you know older gentleman in the room, if he can start winning people over just purely from that perspective now that Jimmy Cha is gone. It's possible, but Gura doesn't Cha wanted to be the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like Gura just wants to be the boss. Gura just wants to like get everything settled and then take a nap for about an hour and then just see it play out after his nap is over. Hey, it's uh, great if it works for you. Yeah, I love naps as much as the next guy, but not particularly on the genius itself. No, you don't love them as much as me. Not hey. right now. <laughs> Tell me about how much you love naps when you have a two-year-old and a four-month-old waking up all night. That You know what? That is something I'm unfamiliar with right now. Boom. I win. There you go. There you go. You gurred me. You got oh, all that nap experience. Go my resume, Harvard. You lose. <laughs> I win. Uh, so, all right. So Gura from a strategic perspective would be high up, but he, he's struggling on the social perspective. So we got to bump him down. Well, so of those three in that, in that, uh, that group of Gura, Sangmin and Sungyu, mm-hmm. you got to have Sangmin first out of those three, wherever they are in the overall list. Sangmin's got to be number one because he, he's able to sneak in a bread and no one seems mad about it. And he seems to be well liked by the other team. He's, he's working with Kyungran. He just, he, he doesn't. He doesn't seem as antagonistic as Gura, and he doesn't seem as worthless as Sun Yu. So yeah. you kind of got to put Sangman. Sangman's building bridges, and he's you know taking Sun Yu along with him on those bridges. It looks like so. I, I'd probably put both of them above Gura at this point. Okay. Wow. That's a big fall for Gura. Um, who, yeah. Who's number one? I mean, I, I presume it's someone from the Big Alliance. It's it's kind of it's got to be like Kyungran or Jinho, doesn't it? I, yeah, I think so. Kyungran hasn't really shown. I mean, so clearly she won this game. Good for her. Um, 
She hasn't shown too much so far. Though. Well, we saw in episode one that she was was that's Lady Macbeth right. behind right. Sung Yu. Direct Sung Yu, so that's good. That's good. She was in trouble last week, but she flipped it to get in a big majority this week. And I feel like the later we go, the more solid these alliances are. As people know each other better, as they work with each other more, like the it could flip again next week. But the best thing we have to go on is where things are now. And where things are now, um, the head of this big alliance just left. And she was right there with him. So so it seems like she might be the one to fill that power vacuum. Seems reasonable. Yeah, so I'd say Kyungran is up there at the top. Uh, I think Jinho is somewhere in there with her along with Jung Moon. Um, Jinho doesn't have the social game. So I don't know how you can give it to Jinho. I mean, he's he's strong strategically, but he doesn't have the social game. I I don't know about that. He got chosen to be, you know, he had enough respect from the group that there were, no one batted an eye when Jimmy Cha chose him as his partner. But that it's just purely strategic at that point. There's no mm. social grace needed for that role. Yeah, I guess I'm not completely sold on that. For Jimmy Cha, who has not been playing particularly strategically this whole game, to pick someone, I imagine that he picked someone where... You know, it wasn't going to ruffle too many feathers in his alliance to pick that person. I so guess. That Are you going to put Jin Ran at at this point? No, no, I put King Ran up top. You put her number one. I do. Yeah, but I put Jin Ho in in the upper tier at this point, just given his position with a majority. Do you want to put Sangman up there? I mean, I, I it feels weird putting some of them in the minority alliance all the way at the top, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't know who else I'm impressed by. Like Poong is is seen as a flipper and a flopper. Um. Chang Yap, probably the same thing. I mean, he's seen as like a guy who's willing to be your weasel. That's not someone. Uh, that's not someone who's going to be able to to gain trust when he needs it. And we just didn't see that much out of Jung Moon and and Uram and Yunji. So I, I don't know how those people could be ahead of someone who we're seeing and who is you know who is able to make the best of a of a bad situation this week and completely keep himself out of trouble. Yeah, all fair. All fair. No, no, no objections there. Sangman, Jinho for the top three. I, I'm on board. I'm on board. Then, then when I, I'd say that, you know, folks like Jung Moon, like Yunji, like Yuram, uh, who are surviving uh, without really doing too much. Uh, you know, I'll put Chang Yap in there also because, you know, he's shown some ability to work across the aisle. I'll put Jung Moon um, for it because she seems to, like, have some strategic sense about her and seems to understand the rules of games. And then I'll put Yuram uh, ahead of Yunji. Um, because I, I just have very little faith in Yunji's ability to, to do much of anything. She just seems like an airhead. Yeah. I, I think Sung Yu ends up somewhere here in this middle range because he has at least shown that he is charming enough to build bonds when he needs them. I'll put him ahead of Chang Yap. Yeah. And then I'd, yeah, I think Chang Yap goes in right there, you know, somewhere right thereafter. Uh, and then there's sort of everybody Gura else. And yeah. Gura above Poong. I agree. I think Poong is in last place. Although yeah. he did have new life as he switched away from that Guru Alliance. He's just no no one in the alliance he's in now trusts him and the other alliance won't have him back after what he just did. So Yeah. It's a very Dan Foley esque uh flippers never win argument here. He's he's, fact, my, he's the best bet to make it to the death match next week. To, yeah. Even if he doesn't lose the game, he's such a safe bet, you're not gonna upset anybody by taking him, and he's not gonna have any friends who are definitely gonna be loyal to him when you get there if it's a game like the winning streak game. Yeah, it's a problem for Poong. And, and not to say that a flipper can't win in this game. I think you, you can as long as you have the uh, charisma to pull it off. But I haven't seen Poong show a ton of charisma so far. All right. So I guess you could argue about the order, but I think we have it right. That the top three are Kyungran, Sangmin, and Jinho. And then the next block is the Jungmoon, Yuram, Yunji thing. 
Then Sung Yu, Chang Yap, Gura, Poom. I like it. And that is our cast as we head into episode four, which is going to be quite a bit more lively. I mean, we've got some good stuff to come in the zombie game. Yeah. We get a taste of it even in the preview, which is to say that, you know, this is not one where you can just build your own alliance ahead of time, but you're really dependent on the luck of the draw in terms of who your natural allies are and who your natural enemies are. So it's going to be interesting to see people have to adapt to survive and work with new people in round four. Yep. Yep, yep. Looking forward to it. Um, anything else you want to add before we bid adieu? No, just uh, for folks to stick with it. And again, you know, apologies for a slow release schedule. If they're the listening to the podcast, they'll stick with the, the show. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast is giving up on the show after three episodes. That's right. They I mean, might be giving up on our. If you want to give up on our like podcast, though, after our tepid response to episode three. If after episode me. three you go, I'm done. I'm not watching the show anymore. You're certainly not listening to the podcast for episode three. That's true. That's true. So I feel like anybody who listens to any one of our podcasts is going to watch the next episode mm-hmm. every time. They, they're gonna if they give up on the show, it'll be after an episode, not after the podcast. Will they listen to Proposal Cast with Scott and Mike next week? We shall see. Should I do my story since we're at the end of the episode and people yeah. can turn it off if they want? Yeah, go for it. So. Um, I uh, had been joking to Michelle for a while that I was going to do one of those like hilariously bad proposals that were like, I was like, well, like I'll bring out a mariachi band or, you know, like, uh, we'll, uh, it'll be like on the jumbotron at halftime. I also have been threatening mariachi band to Chelsea for months. I love the idea of a shitty mariachi band proposal, but, but go on. Yeah. So I was, I was joking about it and, and, uh, she kind of had a sense that I was going to propose at some time, but we hadn't explicitly said like, I'm going to propose soon. Um, so we're out at a nice dinner at a restaurant and I'm making my silly little jokes again. Like, Oh, like maybe I'll just jump up on this chair and like tell everyone how much I love you. And you know, they'll bring in like bouquets of flowers and be a violinist and stuff. Like what's the most over the top thing we could, we could have in this scenario. So she laughs. And then I stand up on the chair <laughs> and the the house music comes down and in comes the violinist and in come the, the servers each with, uh, with a bouquet of roses. Um, and I, I told the whole restaurant the story of how we met and fell in love and all this. And uh, I got down on one knee and proposed. I think that's pretty good. I don't know what you were upset, what you were, you know, embarrassed by there that's a solid proposal there's take, there's take like really gritty video of it i can i can uh, find that for you later but uh, i'm not I'm not putting that out there in the world so. <laughs> uh, i think that sounds pretty good yeah it's like there's a pruder film of engagement photos that's right engagement videos right, that's my story all right so um follow us on the twitter i am at who is scott green Mike is at Michael Botta. Michael yep. Botta, that's right. Yep. Full first name, as I now remember. <laughs> yeah, you write, you get it tattooed on your arm somewhere. That's, that's right. You're a regular uh, Leonard Shelby. It says, at Michael Botta, and it says, Beast Mode Cowboy, right below it. <laughs> I can't believe that guy's going to be on Survivor. <laughs> I remember in the Big Brother house, he was like, yeah, uh, man, I'm, they can put me on Survivor once I'm out of here. And what, what do you know? Things just happen when you're Beast Mode Cowboy. I think that was right after he recorded an album with Ariana Grande. He was going to be on Survivor. So <laughs> I'm going to check Spotify as soon as we finish this podcast. All right. Uh, well, always a pleasure. Until next time, uh, you've been listening to Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. Fighting. Fighting. <laughs>